Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Romance and Color. I am one half of the duo here at Romance and Color, Tati Richardson, your resident romance writer and reader. And thank you so much for joining us for another week here. Um, if you've been uh, following along with us, you know that my podcast partner, Yakimi, has been out with an injury and so we want to send peace and blessings and healing to her on her journey hopefully she'll be back soon before the holidays get ramped up we get into our big holiday season uh stuff but in the meantime i hope you're enjoying all the interviews and all of the uh romance and color what book talk is recommending segments and um you're getting your life with everything that we're recommending but this week we have a special interview with indie author Tori Alvarez. She is a Texas gal born and raised living in San Antonio. She's always been an avid reader and she is a romance writer whose uh, love of Sweet Valley High hooked her and uh, now she is writing and pinning her own romances with a Latinx flair. So I hope you all sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with the one and only Tori Alvarez. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Welcome for another week of Romance and Color. I am here with author Tori Alvarez. Uh, She is an indie author, a Texas gal, born and raised. And we're going to talk about her writing and her journey into romance and all that good stuff. Um, How are you, Tori? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited. Awesome. Awesome. So I ask everybody the same question. First question. uh, When did you fall in love with romance? And do you remember like the first romance book that you ever read? Um, Well, romance, I guess, series, but it wasn't quite romance because it was YA. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm going to show my age right now because it was the Sweet Valley High series. Um, oh yeah yeah <laughs> I remember that too yeah oh, I loved that series with the twins Jessica and Elizabeth mm-hmm. and um in middle school that's what I read I just devoured those books um and then in high school um I started getting into Danielle Steele of course mm-hmm. <laughs> and BC Andrews um and I mean I've just I guess always just been a reader and Romance is just kind of where I've gone. Romance isn't the only thing I read, but right. it is probably the biggest number of books that I'll read. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So how did you go from reader to author? What was kind of the turn of events that you said, you know what, I think I'm going to try and write a book? Um, okay, well, I'm in education. So mm-hmm. I'm a, a school counselor. Mm. Um, started out as a kindergarten teacher mm-hmm. and I had always thought I was going to write a children's book okay <laughs> I actually started writing and kind of mapping out and plotting different children's books mm. um, and I'm not an illustrator and I didn't know any illustrators or artists or anything so that just kind of got placed on hold um, mm. but I'm a daydreamer I'm always just coming up with movies in my head and I can make myself cry on, you know, like on cue with like stories I'm coming up with in my head. Mm. Um, So I just kind of made that jump. I 
read an article um, that Colleen Hoover had done, an interview that she had done um, where she was talking about how she wrote while her boys were at practice. Mm -hmm. And at that time, my daughter um, and her extracurricular activities, I was sitting around doing nothing. So I started Mm -hmm. writing and that's kind of how it all came, like started. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't take the leap for a lot of years though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, um, why were you so resistant to taking the leap from, from, to just write? What was, what was, what was kind of holding you back? Fear. Mm. I, I, I'm not quite sure what I was scared of, but I mean, I guess I, it was fear. So, mm-hmm. um, the book, my first book, my debut novel was sitting on my computer for probably three, four years. Mm. Um, and I had just kind of given up on it. Of course, I'm still a daydreamer. I'm still coming up with ideas. And I had some friends who at work were also like huge readers mm-hmm. and they were reading as I was writing or whatever. And they were like, this is good. You know, I didn't know anything about it. And then my mom got sick. My mom was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. Mm. And all of a sudden it was just like, if I don't do this now, you never know when's the time. Absolutely. Yes. And mm. so I finished the, um, finished the book. I think it was like a chapter or two that I had left and I just hit publish. I knew nothing, nothing, nothing. I didn't do anything <laughs> right. Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. I didn't have a cover designer. I didn't have an editor. I didn't have anything. I just cannonballed in. <laughs> Mm, mm. <laughs> so throwing yourself in this whole kind of self-publishing process what was like I know you said you, just, you didn't know anything what were kind of the mistakes and things that you made that you were like okay these are lessons learned like <laughs> like I know now not to do this anymore well definitely the editor <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> definitely number one um I didn't ask questions I didn't know you know anything. So it has really been a journey of learning, of self-discovery, of Mm -hmm. how big this process really is. I had Mm -hmm. no idea when I started the amount of time it would take and the amount of energy, but I love it. It's so much fun. (laughs) Yes, yes. So because you're kind of your first foray into publishing was sort of self-publishing did you decide from there like yeah I'm just going to stick with self-publishing versus like trying to go the traditional route or was there some time in between there where you're like okay I've, I've kind of grown I've got some mentorship or something like that and then now I can I see kind of the error of my ways now I feel a little <laughs> more confident in self in self-publishing I hate to say like error of your ways but, it really but, was like, it really was <laughs> <laughs> uh I never have researched enough, to be honest, um, Mm -hmm. how to go and query and to go that route. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have gotten comfortable in the self-publishing road Mm -hmm. and I have made some amazing friends, um, you know, wonderful mentors. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so right now I'm comfortable where I am. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I, there's always pros and cons to everything, right? So 
the biggest con that I hear in the traditional route is maybe your voice being stifled. Right. right. And I don't want my voice to be stifled. Mm. I want that control of my covers, my books, the way, um, what I'm going to write and who I'm going to write about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So right now, this will be my journey. Mm. Okay. And so as a wife, as a mom, um, and having all these hats as an educator, having all these hats or working in education, um, how are you balancing the time to write? Like, what is a typical like writing day or schedule kind of look like for you? Um, well, one thing I'm lucky is I do still have my summers off and oh, I have yeah. all of the school holidays, you know, Thanksgiving mm-hmm. week off, the couple of weeks during uh, winter break. I'm actually on break right now. Um, nice. I have a fall break right now this week. Mm-hmm. So usually I try to get in the most words that I can mm-hmm. during that time. Okay. Um, but because my daughter's extracurricular activities, um, she's in cheerleading and an all-star cheerleading, uh, mm. there's a lot of travel, a lot of sitting around in motel or hotel rooms, a yeah. lot of <laughs> sitting yeah. around in arenas, not doing anything except chatting with other moms. Mm-hmm. So um, I use that time also. I've learned to write in chaos. Yes, yes. I was a competitive cheerleader as a team. So I know like about those that life and, and I know my mom used to be exhausted. She's like, oh my God, get up at the crack of butt crack dawn and go to this place. Yes. <laughs> go to this place and stuff. So I know there's a lot of like time in between the and stuff like that. Um if we were getting antsy, I know my mom and stuff was probably antsy too. So luckily for you, you have a way to kind of like, you know, channel that downtime and, and focus it on like writing and, and and things like that because I know my, that probably would have drove my mother crazy if she didn't have something to do but she was a big reader so you know she was there reading books. I was just about <laughs> what did your mom do so you'll either see me with my kindle or you'll see, see me with my um ipad and I have the little bluetooth keyboard on it and that's what mm-hmm. I you know just chug around in my backpack <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome writing on the go yes so as so here at Romance and Color, we like to talk about the author and the author's perspective and the world building and bringing their whole cultural selves to their writing. So what is it about you being a Texas girl, being Latina, Latinx, that you want to kind of bring to your writing to the forefront um, as an indie author that maybe you haven't seen other, you know, authors do? I don't know if it's so much that I haven't seen others do, mm-hmm. but just making it, making our perspective, our cultures, our, um, our lives more mainstream because we are, mm-hmm. we're, you know, you know, it's not like we're just a small minority of people. Mm-hmm. Um, we are everywhere. And I just mm-hmm. want as mainstream as we are in real life, I want that to translate also in the artistic world. Mm -hmm. And so I I don't know if I'm doing anything different than anybody else, you know, Mm -hmm. bringing my own voice to my own stories, um, but just making us, you know, us in our lives and our cultures mainstream and known and respected. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, absolutely. So oftentimes we kind of pull from our, our lives and our perspectives. So culturally, where do you get pull your ideas from? So let's talk about like your graffiti heart series, for example. You say you have flawed characters and these kind of gripping love stories. Um, so where are you where are you pulling like these ideas and these characters from? Like how are you developing them to resonate with your audience? Um well the first book, Beautiful Collision, in the series, mm-hmm. um, it was only supposed to be a single standalone. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not have a series in mind for that. I, again, I told you I was naive. I did not know what I was doing. And <laughs> I was just, you know, thinking I was writing standalones. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the idea for a Beautiful Collision um, came from Tony, the uh, heroine, mm-hmm. the stubborn, fair, uh, Latina that, you know, did not believe in love and does not mm-hmm. want to fall for a pretty face. Um, right. I got the idea for her for, for her from a mom I had at the middle school I worked with mm-hmm. or worked at. Um, mm-hmm. This mom was always dressed the nines, just <laughs> you know, a beautiful woman. But her, she had three kids in our school, uh-huh. and she, just to get her up there was like an act of God (laughs) she she really did not care about these poor kids all fitting clothes um the oldest one was learning disabled the middle one was you know in fights all the time she was just a real you know chip on her shoulder type of young lady Mm. and I got the idea for Tony from that mom because I wanted to create a girl who lived through that and made an amazing life for herself Mm -hmm. and did it on her own, on her own terms. Um, And so Garrett, my, you know, swoony cowboy, Mm -hmm. um, walks along with her. Right. Doesn't change her. Mm. Um, And that's kind of where I got that idea from for Mm. Tony. Um, Just wanting to have somebody make it and do it on their own terms. Mm. And especially a woman. (laughs) Because a lot of times we see in romance, the guy save the girl. Right, right. And I wanted her to do it on her own. Yeah, yeah. It's like the 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 male uh, main character is more kind of an added bonus to the thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's not really. It's, it's, he's not really the the sole quote unquote savior. He's he's just kind of like the the icing on the cake of all right. of everything that's going on. Does, I mean, he's walking along with her and he's patient with her and he mm-hmm. is giving her her space to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's not going to shy away either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's, and then uh, Tragically Beautiful and Beautiful Serenity came about because when the reviews for Beautiful Collision started coming in, um, they uh, readers asked for their Alex and Javi story. Mm. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> should I write you weren't, even planning on, you weren't even planning on that. The readers <laughs> no, I wasn't. So <laughs> I really had to, I was already, you know, 
knee deep in another story and I abandoned it um, after chatting with another author friend, you know, I was saying, I, I just don't see a story. I, I just don't visualize it. I, I'm not seeing it. And so she had read Beautiful Collision and she starts, you know, throwing ideas around with me. And that's how I came up with it. So mm. 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 Sometimes so, so, so in a way, your character, your, your side characters were speaking to your readers like hey hey we want a story too <laughs> we want a story too so it's like sometimes you can't fight the the you know the other stories that are kind of going on in the background like you might not even know that you had created this story but you know it was it was something that resonated with the with the readers like hey what about these people <laughs> what's going on with them what were some like I know you you have this series and it's hard to create these characters and you get in kind of, kind of their heads and try to create these stories. What are what happens when there are times when you're like, look, I'm stuck. I don't know where to go with this story or this character. How do you kind of break up those moments where you feel like you're in the weeds, you know, um, in writing? I'm a panster. I mm. do. I don't outline. I usually have scenes in my head and I usually know how the story's gonna end or how I would want it to end. Now mm -hmm. it doesn't always happen that way. Mm -hmm. uh, so I have gotten stuck. And usually when I get stuck with certain portions of the story, I'll skip it. Mm -hmm. And I go on to the next scene that I have like already like formulated in my head. Like, I know that's where the story is going to go. Mm -hmm. And so I'll just pick up there. And then I'll go back later and then fill in. And it's usually easier once I have kind of those stepping stones in place. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, I just, because, and sometimes it, the journey takes me on a ride I didn't even know I was going on. Mm -hmm. So the characters, I'll start off with a character, you know, in a certain way or in certain situations and then the way they react. And I say they, like they're actual like real people. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But in my head, they really are. So mm -hmm. then sometimes I have to go on a detour and figure out how to get back on track with mm -hmm. where they took me <laughs> mm. so, but that, but I think that's the beauty of you saying that you're a pantser versus a plotter because with that you're not so beholden to like this outline and you're not like you know not you know stifled creatively to what you decided you're going to do so you're just as a pantser you're just able to kind of ebb and flow with what you want yeah. <laughs> creatively to get out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've tried to outline. I did. I've tried and it just doesn't come to me. Mm. It And they say it's, you know, like anything, practice, you know, practice, practice, practice. Um, but since I'm a slow writer, I um, don't have the time to practice that much outlining mm. to make mm. it become a habit yeah 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 I'm slow I'm a slow writer too I, I'm trying to get faster but <laughs> nothing's helping <laughs> nothing's helping um so 
let's say in the, in the first one you got kind of this sweet cowboy and this fiery uh, female character and the next one you got like kind of a grump sunshine yes um and then the next one i think next um in that series is like more of a slow burn yes. um are there any like tropes or pairings that you're just like eh this doesn't really work for my style. I'm not really, I'm not really into it. Or, or are you open to pretty much any type of, you know, character type or archetype or, or trope um, that you want to write? I would, I'm not really um, opposed to any reading. Mm -hmm. I don't know if, um, rom-coms are my jam to write mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm funny I don't think <laughs> I am so <laughs> that's a trope I probably won't if I do it would be completely by accident that I go in that direction right uh, just because I don't know if I'm funny enough <laughs> I'm more <laughs> of an angsty type of gal <laughs> right. Right. Um, and alpha holes mm. oh I like reading them and it's that you have to have that perfect balance right to, to pull off a good alcohol and I don't know I don't love them enough to really put the work in to make it come out just right <laughs> yeah that is that is a heaping lot of character development to create a, a, to yeah. Create a good one yeah because otherwise they just come off jerky and exactly. you're just like uh, this isn't resonating. How am I supposed to fall for this guy? He's just a jerk, you know? Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Since I don't love them enough, I don't know if I'd have the patience to walk that line. <laughs> mm, mm. So in writing this series, what were some of like the hardest scenes? We're talking about tropes and things like that, but so what were some of like the hardest scenes to write? Um, I will say Alex was probably the hardest guy to write. Mm. Um, because I wanted him to have that Hispanic machismo personality, mm -hmm. but I didn't want it to be overbearing and I didn't want him to come off unlikable. Mm. Mm. But the way I created him and, and the way he came to me in Beautiful Collision, that was who he was. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was a fine line I feel like I had to walk to make sure his, you know, that Hispanic machismo came about and, and could be seen, but he wasn't so stuck in it that he wasn't also gentlemanly like, because I mean, really, I mean, if you think true machismo, like bad, but mm -hmm. there is a lot of gentleman qualities, I think, mm -hmm. in, you know, wanting that protective alpha type of personality. <laughs> right, right. I, I understand you. I totally, totally get that. And you bring up a good point when you're talking about kind of uh, Hispanic machismo, because, you know, as a, as a person of color, we try to, I don't know if it's conscious or self-conscious, you know, unconscious or, or consciously try to, you know, avoid stereotypes, right? Um. And then you try to, like, how do you walk the fine line? Like, I mean, I think you, you kind of explained this, but, you know, walking that fine line of, like, avoiding tropes, um, but also having material that folks within the culture and outside of the culture can relate to. 
like how 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 are you able to kind of walk that kind of fine line? Um, I don't know. I I guess I'm just writing my life. I mean, mm. really, I really am. Mm. Um, so um, I I just did an interview um, with Indy Indy Spines, I think it was that, mm-hmm. um, and um, we were talking about. Uh, oh my gosh, I just lost my train of thought. I apologize. It's okay. <laughs> I was so busy trying to think of where I had just done the interview that I forgot about the question that um, they had asked that I, I felt like related. Um, mm. But I, I just write about my life. Oh, I know uh, where I get the ideas for male characters. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. And I had lots of guy friends and, you know, mm growing up lots of guy friends and so they all have that protective quality to them Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and so I just really pull from them and you know I I'm surrounded by you know um, my family and you know the males in my family and so Mm -hmm. that's who I try to pull from so I don't know if I hope I'm not pigeonholing and you know stereotyping but because that's who I see and who I've grown up with, that's what I'm writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if you're if you're conscious of where you want to go and what that voice is that you want to have with your characters, uh, oftentimes I think okay, if we we're in love with who we are, where we come from, how we want to relate that to the world. Oftentimes, that's you, you won't you you'll avoid the the the, the pigeonholing and stereotyping anyway because if, if it comes from a place of love, a place of acceptance, a place of of you know crawling to craft these characters that people are going to fall in love with, then oftentimes you know you're going to avoid you know yeah. being a walking stereotype <laughs> yeah. anyway. Yeah, yeah. And I will say the you you had mentioned earlier you know, hardest scenes or things to write um, will be Rita's uh, journey in Beautiful mm-hmm. Eternity, um, where she is um, overcoming and learning to heal from a rape. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one was hard because I wanted, I didn't want to traumatize readers with mm-hmm. a rape. Mm-hmm. For no reason, right, like, right. It, it it wasn't to glorify, it wasn't to glamorize, it wasn't to, but it was more to show her journey of of what had happened to her and how she came to heal, right, um, and, and persevere. She mm-hmm. was just avoiding, and it was mm-hmm. a lot of avoidance at first because, and and sometimes in a lot of our minds we feel like, okay, it's been a week, it's been two weeks, it's whatever, I should be over it by now. Um, but the mind doesn't always heal that way. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, I wanted to show her in that light where it's not an easy journey. It's not a short-term journey. Um, it, it's, you know, it's time consuming and it takes work. And um, so I wanted to make sure that I was doing it sensitive, um, sensitivity I was being sensitive enough to the subject mm-hmm. matter yeah and um you know not 
throwing in scenes just because mm. they, they they made and they progressed the story and her mm. voice mm -hmm. do you feel because you had something as you know triggering as as as, as you know rape scenes and, and assault scenes do you feel it important to to have like trigger warnings in your book or to let the readers know hey that this you know, this is either off page or it will be discussed because some authors, I mean, are kind of torn about, you know, the idea of like trigger warnings. Should we put them in books or not? Um, you know, I mean, what are your no. thoughts on that? Mm -hmm. It just depends because mm -hmm. for rape, I feel like that is a definite trigger warning because mm -hmm. you don't want someone to walk into that story blind. Mm -hmm. Um, there's big warnings that I think, you know, um, Naive and Love, my de debut that I pulled off and I just redid and it's going to go back up again. But that one is emotional abuse. Mm. Uh, and that's the storyline in it. And when I first, again, like I told you, um, didn't know anything, <laughs> I did trigger warnings for that one. I mean, mm -hmm. I hit publish or submit or whatever and just let it fly. Mm -hmm. And now going back, I'm putting those trigger warnings in and putting um, resources for readers. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, I do think that trigger warnings and content warnings are necessary. Now, my the flip side of it is, is that there can be so many triggers. And as an author, you don't know yes. what mm -hmm. can be triggering. Absolutely. So I, I I don't know where that line is for mm -hmm. how to do it sensitive, uh, mm -hmm. to be sensitive to the readers and um, be able to put in every single thing. I don't think, I don't think you're, I don't think you're <laughs> able to, um, but I think if you just kind of hit the big picture ones, um, mm -hmm. that that's probably good enough. I asked that because I, I, I you did bring up your the, the standalone, your naive and love, and it's more of a new adult college romance type of of a book, and I think you know because that's kind of a, the audience is going toward. I think I think um, putting those resources, like you said, you're going to put more resources in it and stuff like that. I think that's that'll be awesome for somebody because I work I work at a university mm -hmm. and gosh the the things that I see young folks go through <laughs> um you know I'm like gosh you know if I had a you know reading a book and oftentimes a lot of things are glamorized as you know abusive behaviors glamorized as well this person cares for me this person loves me you know what I mean um versus you know this is not behavior that you need to tolerate um so yeah what what was kind of the inspiration for that book um naive in love um was it your own I know you say you draw from a lot of your experiences was it, was it your own experiences as a, as a young collegiate <laughs> actually it was um, mm. that is actually um it's a love triangle mm. and my uh the emotional abusive uh, main male character um is actually kind of based mm -hmm. you know, off of somebody I dated back in mm -hmm. college. But mm -hmm. when I started writing it, I did not, I guess I was still embarrassed about 
not seeing all those red flags. Like, mm. how could I, I, you know, I was not 18 when I, you know, dated him. I was 20 years old. It was mm. not my first boyfriend. It would, you know, mm-hmm. and I just did not see the red flags or I was blind to them or whatever. And mm-hmm. um, so for the book, I made my female main character, I made her 18 who, you know, that's why it's naive in love. She's never really had boyfriends. She's had dates and things of that nature, but never. So he's really her first, you know, walk on, you know, serious relationship side. Right. And because I didn't want readers to be like, oh, how are you missing the red flags? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Because I mean, I was still like, you know, thinking back, like, how did I miss up? So Mm. Mm. Um, yes, that one. And there's a couple of scenes um, in that book that actually happened to be in real life. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I was mm. actually chatting with um, a reader that has, you know, since it's going to go back up again, I have some art copies out mm-hmm. uh, too, as now that it's edited and a girl, I was like wordy. That book, when I first published it, it was 127,000 words. Oh my gosh. Oh Lord. Um, and then, so I cut it back and I, all summer long I spent with this book and it's mm-hmm. down to 97. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. still a beast, but. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That. It's digestible. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but so anyways, it's in reader's hands right now. And um she was like, asked me, she said, this is the one based on your life, right? And I said, well, yeah, loosely based on my, she said, and I said, and you know, I, in my newsletter I sent out this morning, I, you know, put a scene. And she's like, what? Oh my gosh, which scene? I didn't get it. <laughs> so um, I, I was chatting with her about the scene that, uh, or one of the scenes, because there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a couple that actually happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. So was writing that book like therapeutic for you or healing for you? Um, to get that out and like what do you want a young young person who picks up that book to kind of get from it hopefully they get the red flags Mm. um, that you know because they're in the book and there's you know sometimes they're subtle sometimes they're not so subtle but I'm hoping that if a reader reads you know when a reader reads it that if they're ever in that situation, that it's eye-opening for them. Mm-hmm. That, oh, wait, this isn't normal. Oh, wait, right. it shouldn't be the way he treats me or the way he reacts to um, situations or clothes that I wear or friends that I have. Mm. Um, so that's what I hope, that by putting those red flags out there and in all the forms, subtle or not, that then if the situation ever arises, that they'll see them. Mm, mm. I feel like I I wish that I had a book like, well, I'm sure there was, but I wasn't actively looking for that when I was in college. But, you know, I wish that I had come across something like that book. Because I mean, I think, I think public, particularly as when you start getting out on your own and you're 18 between the 18 and 22 year old kind of age you don't know anything (laughs) and you kind of need you know everything (laughs) yes you know everything and nothing basically at the same time (laughs) and you know I I wish that there was like a book that I read that would have been like oh okay 
oh, that's what that is. This is not what, you know, you know, what, you know, love is like. And I think for some strange reason, I feel like, I know this is going off on a tangent, but I feel like now with like shows like you and all these other shows with guys who are like slightly stalkerish, <laughs> that it's kind of glamorizing, like, you know, yeah. that kind of behavior, you know? And I can't, I don't, I don't necessarily like that because um, I don't want impressionable young folk to think, oh, that's what love is. Love is somebody stalking me in a grocery store. Love is somebody standing outside my window. You know, right. love is somebody telling me, like you said, what to wear or how to think or saying what I said is not smart or, or questioning, you know, my intelligence. That's not, that's not exactly love. So like, I, I'm definitely, trust me, I'm definitely going to give this book to some young girls that I know that are going to <laughs> that are going oh. to college for sure um but yeah it was a little cathartic for me because mm. there with that relationship I burned a couple of bridges mm. and they played on repeat for years mm. on you know why did I do that or you know what was I thinking type of um thoughts so mm-hmm. um it kind of helped me go or put it in a different light I guess you know I couldn't go back and change you know what I did but mm-hmm. I was able to change her trajectory <laughs> right 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 and so not to um deviate from the conversation a bit but I wanted to kind of go back and talk about like process and, and stuff um so doing as as an indie author and kind of having to do things on your own and 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 figure out the marketing and figure out this and figure out that um what does like a community of writers and support look like for you like do they do they beta read do they critique are they critique partners like you know what does that kind of support look like for you and like, who's like their biggest cheerleader in your corner when it comes to like support and what you're doing? Um, well, I, in my bookish world, mm-hmm. uh, I have, like I mentioned, you know, some wonderful mentors. Um, one of the biggest or the biggest, I should say, mentor I have is Melanie A. Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, she is amazing. And mm-hmm she was one of the first um, bookstagram people I met on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now, you know, we'll text and chat and anytime a question comes up or I am um, kind of stuck with, you know, ideas or something, you know, she's always, I mean, she's such a, a wonderful cheerleader and mm-hmm. support. Um, but yeah, she's, you know, probably my biggest one. Um, but I have so many other, you know, wonderful friends that are cheerleaders and share and support and, you know, are always a text or a DM away, you know, mm-hmm. to, you know, read a blurb for me. This doesn't sound good because I hate <laughs> blurbs. Um, <laughs> you know, just this is, you know, covers, you know, um, yeah. I'm gonna, you know, do this for a cover. What do you think? No, no, that's not good. Yes, that's good, kind of thing. So, you know, I have Eve Casey and Rose Croft and A. Marie, mm-hmm. and you know, there's Ellie Malouf. There, I mean, I have yeah. quite a few um, friends that 
I'm able to, and I'm very grateful for mm-hmm. that. Um, I, I, I love that tribe that I mm-hmm. built or mm-hmm. that found me, I should say. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> It's almost, yeah, it sort of is sort of like a family within, you know, publishing and in the writing world, like this kind of group of folks that are just like propelling you, like when you don't feel like you you can do it, they're there behind you, like saying that you can't, <laughs> that you yeah. can, when you feel like you're just stuck, they're there, they like get you out of things. Exactly. So as a my dad, I have to say my dad. Oh, yes. He yes. is. He's so funny because, you know, he'll, he'll text me or co- come by or whatever. And he's just like, are you writing? Are you writing? I'm like, yeah, I'm not right now. I'm doing this. He's like, why aren't you writing? <laughs> That's I talk awesome. about embarrassing. My dad has read my books. <laughs> oh my. Oh my. What does he think? He, I mean, that's some spice. Yes. Some spice. So what I know. I know. And that's the embarrassing <laughs> part. And, <laughs> So I have a novella out that um, came out in an anthology and that's the spiciest one. And I told him, mm-hmm. dad, don't mm-hmm. read that one. Please do not read that one. <laughs> but he's read all the graffiti hearts. Oh, wow. And he, when he first read Beautiful Collision um, in the first thing, he's like, oh, it's pretty good. I liked having the two uh, point of views. <laughs> I was like, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> but yes that that, those are embarrassing little chats that sometimes my dad will just kind of throw out like oh I like that I'm like oh thanks it (laughs) (laughs) just like you don't want to discuss that (laughs) you're like no no thanks let's just skirt over this I don't want to talk about that (laughs) so um, we I know you talked about mentorship you talked about your community of writers um and, and support so what is some advice that you would give to somebody who wants to, who's aspiring to write romance or 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 come from your community or, and, and want to write, you know, characters that reflect them? Like, what is your, what is your advice for those writers? Just um, first, you know, build your tribe. Mm. There's, you know, amazing indie authors out there that you know, are willing to answer questions and, you know, be of assistance along the way, because it it really is a a long, hard journey. Mm -hmm. Um, But as for just writing what you know, you know, write, like they say, write what you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So just be true to yourself, you know, just really you know I mean if your life inspires you if your friends inspire you if you know sitting at airports and people watching inspire mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. Uh, just be true to what you want to write mm-hmm. uh, and the voices that you know are talking to you mm-hmm. okay all right so we're gonna uh, we're almost at the end of the interview but I want to do a little game of uh this or that um sort of like in the actor studio um, what do you think about <laughs> what do you think about certain things and would you prefer this or that um, so let's start with the first question um, what was your favorite book as a kid I already know the answer it's Sweet Valley High <laughs> yeah, pretty much but I have to say B.C. Andrews that the Flowers in the Attic series <laughs> oh yes 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 <laughs> yeah that that was pretty good too 
do you like writing heroes or villains? Heroes. Okay. Do you like writing love scenes or dramatic arguments? Probably arguments. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I'm the angsty girl. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, that's true. Um, your favorite place to write? Um, probably my study. Your had, study. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, book reviews. Do you read them or not read them? I do. <gasps> I, I do read them. Oh gosh. I, I I like to read the positive and you know, it's a nice boost to your ego. Mm -hmm. uh, but sometimes even the ones that didn't, there's some learning experiences. They hurt mm -hmm. and sometimes they can be brutal. Mm -hmm. Um but I, you know, I, I do. I'm a mm. lot for punishment. <laughs> um what is the last romance novel that you read the last romance or the last book that you read not necessarily romance um eve casey's um can't stop loving you is the last mm. one mm, okay okay um do you write to music and if so what kind i do and it just depends because i usually have playlists mm. um, for the books and they just kind of help inspire. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, I'll usually listen to either the playlist or um, country or rock. Those are the two backups. I don't know okay. why it's always country or rock. I can't do pop. Okay. <laughs> what was what was on the what was on the last playlist for the last book that you wrote? Um, well, the one that I'm currently writing, mm -hmm. I have um, Hawaii. Um, by Maluma. Mm -hmm. I have, uh, oh, what else? You see, you're asking me, and now I'm like <laughs> running a blank for it. <laughs> but uh, there's a, a it's funny because my husband will like play songs. He'd be like, oh, I had just heard this song, and this one, you know, sh this one can inspire a scene too, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, but right now I'm like in love with Hawaii by Maluma. Like, it's still on repeat all the time. Okay. Um, if you, if you watch movies, is there a best book to movie adaptation that you think has happened or the answer is no, it could be yes or no. <laughs> mm, some better than others. Mm -hmm. Some are horrible. <laughs> I do have to say TV series usually do a better job at sticking with the story than I have to agree with you there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely do. I guess um, you have more time to kind of draw out. Yeah, yeah, you can build the arc of the story. Yeah, yeah. Um, is there a favorite word you use in your writing? <laughs> <laughs> so um, coming back from my editor this time with my, you know, debut. <laughs> uh, quickly, snow, mm -hmm. and tiptoe. Tiptoe, okay. <laughs> That's a new one. That's a new one. Tiptoe, okay. Uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. Um, if your book did become a movie, who would you like to play the lead, and which book? So, um, if 
it's um, Beautiful Serenity. Mm -hmm. um, oh my goodness, I just uh, forgot his name. The On the Block um, guy. Uh, oh my gosh. I'm just- I've, I've seen On the Block. I, I know the show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the, the lead character, the big brother on mm -hmm. On the Block mm -hmm. would be my hobby. Okay. okay. I don't know for a girl though. Okay. But, yeah, for- um, He's cute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've seen this. I can't think of his name either, but I have watched the show. So yeah, <laughs> he is very, very cute. Um, where do you see romance novels going in the next like decade? They're not going away. <laughs> um, I actually I don't know where they're going. I think with new voices and new generations and new writers, um, really the sky's the limit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, I really don't know where they're well that where they will end up <laughs> do you see like uh, this is the offshoot of that question but do you see like how big of a part do you see like indie authors playing in like the future of like romance and stuff with everything that's going on with with traditional publishing houses and trying to be conglomerates and all that stuff like where do you see like indie authors kind of I, I think indie authors are really starting to make their mark. I mean, mm -hmm. in the publishing world. I mean, mm -hmm. they had, I guess, a very negative um, view for, you know, a while. And then we had some wonderful authors come in and kind of trailblaze the indie, you know, world. And mm -hmm. I think you know, we're just following, I, I know I am in, in some of those, you know, authors that I started reading as indies. Um, now they're, you know, some of them are traditionally published, some are a uh, combination, they'll do both mm -hmm. traditional and indie. Um, mm -hmm. So I think, you know, there's, there's a big, you know, road of indies that are just coming up. And I think it's, it's going to be good for everybody. I, I mean, there's so many readers and so many, um, the market is there. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Um, when it's all said and done, what do you want readers to say about the books you write and what does literary success look like to you? Um, literary success looks like if I could be, you know, a full-time writer, like, mm, mm -hmm. you know, money-wise, that would, you know, where I could just, because I love this, I love writing, I love even the marketing and all the hard stuff that comes mm -hmm. behind the scenes, mm -hmm. I love it, yeah, that would be success to me, that I would be able to do that full-time, because mm -hmm. it brings me such joy, mm -hmm. um, but I'd be able to support my family also. <laughs> right, right. Um, but, you know, what do I want people to think about when they read my books or, you mm -hmm. know, the image of, I want to leave them with, you know, hopefully just happiness. Mm -hmm. um, I always end my books. I'm a happily ever after girl. Yes. So all my books will always have a happily ever after. Yeah. Um, and I just want to entertain and make somebody happy for a while. I may make you cry because I told you I'm angsty along <laughs> the way, but I'm going to make Crying you. Crying is fine. <laughs> <laughs> Crying 
crying is totally fine. We just want the we want, we want happy tears at the end, though. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um. So, can you tell us what you're working on next? Like, what what's next for you? Yes. So it's a spinoff series from the Graffiti Hearts. Okay. So um, we meet the boys of the garage in beautiful Serenity, where Javi um, gets a part-time job and it's it's his Mm. brother that owns it. Mm. So Damien, Jackson, Enrique, and Mateo will each Mm. have their own books. So right now I'm writing Mateo's book. Nice. You can get, I have... um, a story out right now on a novella, Mi Sol, My Son, mm-hmm. out in a series of an unfortunate meet cutes. Mm-hmm. And you can meet Mateo and get a little snippet of his swag and attitude in that book. <laughs> Ooh, nice, nice. So, yes. <laughs> so you'll meet both Natalia and Mateo in that novella, and their book is what I'm working on right now. Awesome, awesome. Well, Tori, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and sharing your uh, work with us and, and, and talking about your work and just the beautiful vision for romance that you put out um, that really resonates with folks. Um, can you tell everybody where we can find you on social media, where we can get your books? I am right now Amazon exclusive because I'm in KDP or in Kindle Unlimited. So all my books are in Kindle Unlimited. So if you're a subscriber, you can go and read all, uh, binge read all of them. Um, all my are Miss Tori Alvarez, MS Tori Alvarez on uh, Twitter, TikTok, uh, Facebook, and Instagram. <laughs> okay. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. And like much success to you. And I wish you the very, very best. Thank you. It was so much fun. Once again, I'd like to thank Tori Alvarez for coming on to the podcast and talking with me for our Write It In Color series. You all can check out Tori pretty much everywhere on social media at Miss Tori Alvarez. And you can go to her website, ToriAlvarez.com. If you all have any more questions or want to find out more about the podcast and the guests that we feature, you can go to our Instagram at Romance in Color. That's Romance in Color with a U. Or you can go to our Twitter, which is Romance, the letter N, and Color with a U. Once again, I'm your host, Tati Richardson. Uh, You can find out more about me pretty much everywhere on social media, even TikTok, at Richard Writes, W-R-I-T-E. S-O-N, Richard Writes On. And my debut novel, The Build Up with Karina Press, will be out on March 28th, my 44th birthday, my Obama year, uh, 2023. You all take care and God bless. And I will see you all next week where we have more authors to feature, more books to talk about that celebrate real inclusive love. Take care and God bless. <laughs>